Countries that don't exist anymore They used to exist but not anymore Now you know what this podcast is for It's countries that don't exist anymore Welcome to Countries That Don't Exist Anymore. Yes, this is the in-between the episode about Carthage. We did two episodes about Carthage. Big old heavy hitter, didn't we, Ed? We sure did. Uh, yep, you can't you can't cover it in less than two episodes. No, you can't, I mean, three is too many. Two is the perfect amount. That's what we did. So go and catch up with them, first of all, because we're going to be talking about Carthage in this episode, uh, unless you just don't want to. And I'm happy with that, because yeah. as long as you're supporting us and listening to this, that's what's important. Before Ed reveals who the guest is going to be, I just need to tell you about our just ways you can get in contact with us. Of course, our website, ctdeapod.com. Uh, we've got the Facebook with the same and the Twitter. And we've also got a Patreon, Woo! which Ooh. we're going to do details at the end. But just to let you know, it's at patreon.com forward slash ctdeapod. And we've got loads of lovely rewards and special things you can get your hands on. Lots of extra music, lots of extra episodes, all sorts of goodies and a very delightful certificate for everyone who joins no matter what your level is yes so join us and indeed and so far we've got we've got lots of lovely villagers we only have one god king and don't yep. be afraid because we are not a monotheistic podcast we we we, accept we, we can gods, we worship many gods many gods, many many gods, gods. paying many pounds into the ctdea slush fund uh, no problem there yep so if you can offer either a virgin child or a pound a month either would be great Right, so Ed, you're going to introduce uh, our mystery guest who hasn't been named yet. Our guest is a history podcaster producing the long-running history podcast about obscure stories from history, Z-List, Deadlist, the British Museum member cast, and terrible lizards wherever you listen to podcasts. She's also an author and history presenter having graced BBC Radio 4 and Netflix with her appearance fees. Along with regular guest Mike Shepard, she's one of the pioneers of historical comedy stand-up nights. She's also got the domain izzy.com, which I find equally impressive. Please welcome <laughs> to countries that don't exist anymore, Izzy Lawrence. Thank you. Um, izzy.com is less impressive when you find out how I spell Izzy, which is oh. I-S-Z-I rather yeah. than I-Z-Z-Y, which is why I, nobody can find me. But I don't care. I got the .com, therefore That's I That's the main thing. I bought that when what? I was like a kid. Oh, yeah. So it must have been in the 90s. Yeah, and uh, yeah. Uh, and it, it, I think I bought it for about ten pounds. Oh, so, probably could have got like Tesco.com as well. You should have got Google.com. Probably could have done. Yeah, that. yeah <laughs> but that would have been pointless. And then Google would be called Boogle or something. <laughs> that's very, that's very true. And then Boogle you'd be like Tesco. But you're like, you yeah. don't understand, I'm a millionaire in another life. That's that's the problem. <laughs> Diverging realities. Um, well, actually, I was going to ask you, did you, you know, actually change the spelling of your name just to get the uh, to get the domain? Um, that would be another way I could spell oh. Ed with five Ds. That could be a thing. That's true. I mean, that's quite a lot of D. For one four D is four Ds taken, Ed? Have you checked it out? Uh, 4D, no, I've not. Uh, 5D will be taken, but not for not E5D. So we'll, we'll have a look. Um, anyway, Izzy, I have to say it's a, a pleasure to have you on um, I, because I first met you um, when you were sort of trolling, and I mean that in a nice sense, but the yeah. uh, historical comedy nights of the UK because it's such a uh, like it's such a, a specific niche um, niche, niche area. 
Um, yeah. So I guess, I guess, I guess, why? Why did you start doing that? Oh, because the same reason any comedian starts doing anything, you get bored about talking about your boyfriends and your cats and stuff, and you want to talk to the audience about things that interest you. And it turns out it's very difficult to convince people to laugh about Mary Toft on a Friday night at Jongers. So you have to start your own night in order to have the excuse of talking about the things you want to talk about. And it turns out there are lots of other nerdy people in the world. So you can create entertaining content for very mm. specific people. Since we are obviously on a historical uh, podcast of sorts, oh, yeah. um, <laughs> we should ask you about yours, your very long running um, Deadlist, yeah. and because obviously, you know, this whole podcast is, you know, obscure stories from history, but about countries that don't exist anymore, hence the title. But your whole show, uh, your your podcast has been a long running um, look into people from history that are often uh, forgotten. So, uh, I mean, it's weird because like I sort of say it's about obscure people from, from history, but then you have people like Alcibiades on it, which isn't, you know, one yeah. of the most famous the, the, the playboy politicians. Mm. But yeah, yeah mm. it, it's one of these things where you can pretty much have anybody on it because guaranteed enough people have never heard of them. The, basically, the only one I've really banned is like Julius Caesar, Cleopatra the seventh can have the fourth anytime um exactly. henry the eighth that sort of thing you could probably get away with doing something like thomas cromwell to be honest but the, yeah. the point is that it is you know it is about uh, the people who'd normally be forgotten the whole reason for it was i realized you know i think upon you know, in my late 20s i thought oh yeah i'm definitely going to be forgotten forever but then most people are most people yes. have been yeah. I've, those people? I've come to terms with it it's fine yeah um, so there's there's lots of um, really interesting, unusual people who lived a long time ago who you'd be forgotten if it weren't for people going out collecting them. One of my favourite people from history for this reason is John Aubrey, who in the 17th century decided to make a who's who of everybody he'd ever known and all his friends, like, mates and their dads. And he sort of did this whole thing. The trouble was he was mad. So, uh. like... Even his friends described him as um, roving and maggoty-headed. So he wasn't the best, most organised person. Eventually, they sort of put this like compendium together. Um, it's called Brief Lives, but it just it's is a list. Facebook of his day. It's a it's a physical book, but it mm. happened after his death when they sort of like got all of the receipts that he'd written on and all the bits of Bible and everything else and put it into a book. And you have people in there who you just would never have heard of without him. Um, and what he chose them to be famous for, because there are famous people in there. Christopher Wren is in there, but there's very little about his architecture, because that wasn't uh. interesting to John Aubrey, because John Aubrey was a bit of a cat. And so he would just like write all the things that, he, you know, they, he'd write things about like um, Boyle of Boyle's law fame, that he was raised in the Irish fashion. But like, um, but yeah, Christopher Wren, I think it's my favourite because he says, Christopher Wren has put a trick on us as it seems, for he has made himself a year younger than he indeed is. <laughs> so <laughs> he, uh, he, he's, he's great for that sort of stuff. But you get to hear about people like Samuel Foster was one of my favourite from him because Samuel Foster is just this dude. And the only reason he's like part of Gresham College and the only reason that we know about him is because John Aubrey got taken up to his study once where on the wall of his chamber, he'd just done this amazing sundial, which gave you the different times in different time zones as well. So it tells you what a time it is in Grand Cairo and in Paris and that sort of thing. And John Aubrey's amazed by this. So it just says, Samuel Foster, 
has a really nice sundial. <laughs> and that's that's his life. That's all the only reason anybody... I, I just find little bits of real history quite interesting and you can put them together. And it's a great way to actually learn around subjects. Yeah. Some subjects seem really boring. Like I did, famously on it, I did um, an episode about the suffragettes. But it was about a suffragette um, called, oh gosh, Edith Garrod. There we go. You know when your name goes completely blank and you just go, what? But Edith Garrod was this amazing woman because she was about just under five foot, you know, tiny lady. And she taught the suffragettes how to defend themselves by using jujitsu. Oh, and nice. they actually learned. So she helped form um, the bodyguard for Mrs. Pankhurst. And she, you know, taught them to beat up police officers and hospitalised quite a few. So that's quite fun. Wow. Mm. Yeah. That's so there's, there's all of these. But, you know, when you, you're in school, suffragettes are so boring. It's like, like yeah. they were really, like, noble. And then they starved themselves and eventually yeah. well, got run over by a horse. And then eventually the men gave them the vote. And they weren't like that at all. They were mad i mean it'd be crazy nobody i don't hardly know anybody who'd be a suffragette now just mm. the level of you know you have to bomb stuff you have to burn down houses burn down businesses owned by women as well they were crazy and they weren't yeah. even trying to get women the vote they were trying to get women over the age of 30 the vote or women who are married with enough property the vote they weren't even doing it for every woman but mm. it's yeah they were crazy mad they're fun but, they're fun but that's obviously and you know um it's not spoilers here unless you're unaware of uh, Izzy's literary work, but that must yeah. obviously be the inspiration. Literary work, you see how I said that? Uh, yeah. must be the inspiration for the unstoppable Letty Peg. Yes, um, it is Letty Peg. I mean, it's, uh, it came about, that book, because I, I did a thing for Radio 4, so I was presenting Making History, and so they used to get me to go off and do... They said, what do you want to talk about? And I had learned about Edith Garrett through the Zedless Deadless podcast, and then... From that, I was like, oh, I wonder if people still do jiu-jitsu. And they do, because it's not the cool Brazilian jiu-jitsu. It's not the uh, let's grapple on the floor ask. and strangle yeah. each other. It's not that. No, it is the let's, you know, dress in pyjamas, meet up three times a week in a village hall and pretend to be ninjas. It's that. It's that jiu-jitsu. It's not. It's we stab each other with knives very slowly. And we, like, I do have to, like, I'll have a man running at me with a metal chain. And you just basically have to be not where you were because that's where he's aiming. Because <laughs> you're, you're yeah. that's you actually you're a practitioner, aren't you? Is yeah, that right? I'm a, yeah, I'm a duck. I'm one from Brambelt, and then they shut down the country, so I can't. I get to go back in a few mm. weeks. I'm very excited, but um, yeah, there's nothing better than hitting people with the planet. It's really fun <laughs> because you just basically slam your friends through the floor. I know. I I genuinely know. It's a great thing to say. I genuinely know eight ways to break someone's neck. I, le- oh, I, I genuinely know how to separate your spine in eight different ways. Necky. Nice. <laughs> God, we are, we, are, we are really poorly put together, aren't we? Exactly. Oh, it's yeah. of, oh, I can't, I don't think, I, I just wouldn't survive an encounter, even if someone told me what to do. I'm, I'm, I'm only just got around to learning how to drive, and, you know, the clutch control is one Driving thing. is really hard. It's really it's hard. hard. Yeah. No yeah. Snapping a neck, idiots. piece of cake. There's loads of idiots who drive. I just see constant idiots. I, <laughs> can't I be this idiot? Am I just overthinking it? I don't know. It's hard, man. It's really it's hard. hard. Yeah. But yeah, so because so, I was doing jiu-jitsu and that sort of thing, I thought, well, let's do Edith Garrett on Radio 4. Yeah. So I went and um, we did that on Radio 4. And that little bit where it was me, you know, letting this, uh, <laughs> this historian beat me up and me, 
you know. Uh, so like, oh, no, this is how you break my wrist. That was brilliant on Radio 4. I even interviewed an actual policeman who does jiu-jitsu to talk about, you know, how the police use these controlling methods and how they actually learned some off the suffragettes because the police started to learn jiu-jitsu it's so oh, yeah, the suffragettes. Well, that's the like defense, a battle right? uh yeah awesome uh so they were um so that got made pick of the week on radio mm. four so obviously people were tweeting about it and that sort of things when oh pick of the week's good and i hated this bit why did that get on and that sort of thing. but people like this one and one an editor at bloomsbury said oh that would be an amazing kids book and I wrote back immediately and said, yes, it would. Yeah, exactly. And so, and Fantastic. then didn't let her get away with it. And yeah, Unstoppable Letty Pre- Peg was um, uh, printed last year. And it's all about a little girl whose mum is a suffragette and her dad's a policeman. And that puts oh, wow. you in the middle of it. Otherwise, I mean, because nobody cares. There's no tension. Right? You need the tension, right? Yeah, you need, the ten- you need to make it personal. So yeah. that is the trick with them. Um, both stand-up and comedy, and indeed, even his books. yes, even historical mm. comedy needs to be put a little even bit, little little bit of you has got to be in exactly. there. So you've had your first book, and that seemed to have done really yeah. well. And then you've got another one coming, haven't you? That is um, called Billy Swift Takes Flight, and that is about the women who flew the Spitfires in the Second World War, which not a lot of people know about. People sort of like vaguely, because I was aware that some women did deliveries and were flying planes in the Second World War, but I wasn't aware that they were actually delivering the planes to and from like the raf the the raf were flying and you know and they were doing and it wasn't just like because everybody said oh spitfires and hurricanes how but they were doing the big four engine bombers they're doing short sterlings and you know and american liberators and all the rest of it they were little women like when i say five foot some of them were five foot operating huge lumbering aircraft and also these planes were often battle hard like literally they were coming back for repairs and falling apart as you flew them with everything falling off and i think there's something there's over a hundred different types of plane i think um there's a woman uh called diana walker and she was i think she flew 87 different types of aircraft and bear in mind you're only trained on like five so you and as a sort of standard then you get in a plane for the very first time with things wrong with it and you're told to take it to an airfield you've never been to before wow. and you've got no radio and you're 19 and let's just go you know mm. that is what that these is... were doing and it's like what and also from a very feminist perspective um they were the first women to be paid equally to men by the uh, under the British government in 1943 oh. that happened they were paid well, to men well I should think so too flying well, well, yes, sort of battered bombers is... no no but, but, I mean, even, a... but even of the time like the the, the danger money for that that's, yeah. that's crazy well like even the world's best pilots like Amy Johnson who's like the first woman to fly you know to I think she might have been the first person to fly to Australia um, from Britain to Australia um, and she was like flying to America and all the rest of it and her and her husband had done all these world record breaking attempts and yeah no she died with the ATA she because it's so easy because the fog just comes in you can't see where you're landing you don't know if you've overshot where you're going. You're not sure about the height of the land or how high up or how, you know, like, you're not sure where the you know next airfield is. So what do you do? And the thing that they were taught to do is, well, you just got to bail. So you got to crash the plane and you got to you know bail out, which is what she did. And unfortunately, she landed in the Thames. So she landed uh. in the Thames estuary and just, yeah, a boat tried to get her out, but she got churned under and... The- guy died trying to rescue and everything oh, else man. and she was one of the best pilots ever 
So like male, female, she's a record breaking. She was our Amelia Earhart. It was her and Amelia mm. Earhart everywhere. She was that lady and she died. And so many, like, cause it wasn't just women. There were men doing it too. And so many absolute heroes died just trying to, so often they did posted services and ambulance services as mm. well. So they were getting people and you just got, if the weather comes in and you can't see the land, and you've only got a compass, which might have been bad, and lots of the systems might be out, you know, not um, they wouldn't be in service, and that's something. So you've got to just cross your fingers and hope mm. to see an airfield, and a oh. lot of them didn't. They're really very exciting. Very anyway, I thought this was a great children's story. Loads bloody good, bloody good yeah. children's story. Oh so my goodness, with... health and safety. Not I didn't know. get it. Though, Second World War. It's outrageous. Well, Billy, she sees an aircraft crash, and there's a really sort of mysterious thing that happens with it. So she inflates the airfield at White Waltham, which is where she lives, which was the number one ferry pool for the ATA, and they because she's quite tall for her age. She's twelve, and she's quite tall, and they mistake it for a pilot. Exactly, and but also you know that the the kids who are getting into this when they're little and they're getting into their history, you know, by the time they're eight, they'll be like, ah, excuse me, I don't think so. I've realised the uh, the audit yeah. survey map doesn't doesn't <laughs> go to there. I think you'll find okay. so. Exactly. No, you're, you're future-proofing. That's very good. It's very sensible. I am. I'm also future-proofing. If you're ever in a plane crash, because it goes through, because so I explain what stalling is and that sort of thing in an aircraft, and why actually if you're in a plane and an engine's on fire you want it to go into a dive because if it's going into a dive it, but, all the pilot's doing is maintaining the airspeed to keep the plane in the air so it's actually a really safe thing to do but everybody would freak out if they saw an engine fail and they're just diving into their thing we're gonna die when actually what's happening is the pilot's going we're in control uh if they're not diving and the plane's kind of going sideways <laughs> mm. and if it suddenly falls <laughs> but <laughs> if you're ever in a plane and it's diving the pilot knows what they're doing don't worry wasn't there a thing about um this, this probably sounds like history channel level knowledge um mm. wasn't there a thing about like early spitfires and obviously spitfires got to be like the t-rex right but yeah. the the they kept whenever you kept whenever they dive they just stool like, yeah mm. it, it, the carburetor the oil would um the oil the um the gasoline mm. would get stuck in the carburetor and it would flood it and it would cut the engine mm. and it was beatrice schilling of beatrice schilling's orifice fame she was a motorcyclist who right. um, was a mechanic and working um, as part of the war effort. And she just put in this basically little rubber washer in there to stop the um, it flooding. And that meant that the Spitfires could dive and get out of trouble uh, during the Battle of Britain. So that's wow. yeah, pretty you cool. Know, you know everything. I could just I throw anything everything. at you. And you know everything. Everything. Amazing. Well, let's actually, let's put that to the let's test. Oh, yes. Let's <laughs> put that to like, the test. We'll prove that this is not the case. <laughs> <laughs> but you don't need to know everything. You just need to know more than Phil. Um, no. So let's I see. I don't know more than Phil. Long. He's yes, got, he's got, he's got bright blue do. eyes and is, is paying attention to life, the universe <laughs> and everything. And I want it known that although I might have been made aware of some topics, I'm lazy and I didn't do anything. <laughs> no, 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 right. These are there's. I hope I hope these are very underarm uh, questions. Um, these are so during the oh, uh, the show. Don't worry, I've not I've not got a good track record in this. Believe you me. No, okay, do you remember the, do you remember the wiping tried. I got by Kieran Hodgson? Yes, no, that's very true. Um, also, yeah, during the actual me. show, we only did like a tiny little mention of um, the legendary founder of Carthage, Dido. We only did like a tiny mm. mention anyway. So that's basically what Phil knows about it, I think. Um, yes. 
So what I'm going to do is I'm going to uh, give you, there's eight little scenarios here, and they're from famous accounts uh, of the mm. life of Dido, not to say they're accurate. Uh, but all you have to tell me is if these things are things she has uh, was said to have done or not. And the way you do that, true, say Dido, false, say die don't. Simple nice. as that. I thought yes. you were going to okay. say die no, and I was going to say that's going to get confusing. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, no, no, if it's Dido or Dino, I could do that. So yeah. I know loads about dinosaurs. All I know about Dido is that Virgil wrote about her. So and Virgil's a liar. So yes, he sure is. Going to be Dido, surely. Well, well, that's it because you're <laughs> right. He's a big fat propaganda liar. Um, but I will be mentioning things from his accounts as long as he wrote about it. As long as whoever wrote about it, that's that's a Dido. If it's not, it's a Dido. Don't Dido or Dido. Don't. Number one. Dido was called Elissa in Phoenician, but was given the name Dido by Libyans. Dido means divine. Dido. No, it's Dido's. Uh, <laughs> Dido means traveller. Um, so it's oh. zero, zero at this point. Right. Shouldn't I get a, I get a forfeit on, for buzzing in wrong? Can I get a minus one? That's not yeah. fair. <laughs> oh, okay. Oh, that's true, yeah. Minus one, Bill. Get out! Yeah. Get out of here! We're going into BC here. We're going get into BC. Here. It minus one. Oh, it could be one BC. How about that? Yeah. <laughs> one like BC. One BC. So, yeah. so far, it's Izzy, zero AD. Uh, Phil, one BC. Right, number two. Yeah. Okay, in an account, Dido gets her brother's servants into trouble with her brother Pygmalion so that they will abandon him and join her. Is he? I'd say that is a Dido because she and Pygmalion didn't get along. That's correct. That. Ding, 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 ding. Ronnie. I thought you had done nice. a me Eden though and just changed a tiny detail. <laughs> like... No, no. They were his servants, they were his horses. Yeah, yeah exactly. she Pygmalion killed uh, her rich husband, and uh, she said, "Can I go and get his wealth and bring it back to you?" And Pygmalion was like, "Yeah, sure." And so on the way back, uh, she got uh, his servants to be seen to throw big, heavy bags of what looked like gold from the ship into the water. Um, and she said, "Now you've done this, this, this terrible act. Pygmalion won't want you back, so you have to come with me." So that's how that mm. went. Pretty pretty sneaky. Number three, Dido or Dido, remember? Dido convinces women prostituting themselves on the island of Cyprus to join her. Dido. Oh, no, it's, it's Dido. Dido. Woo, 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 woo. Back on yeah. zero BC. Oh, so yes, <laughs> zero BC and one AD for Izzy. So yes, these women were said to be prostituting themselves to save up enough money for their dowries so they could land themselves nice husbands. Nice. Uh -huh. Yeah, great, isn't it? What a great, what a great story. What a heartwarming story there. Um, so number four, it's only one point between us now. So there we go. What? This, this is close. This is close. When landing in North Africa. Dido convinced locals to let her have as much land as could be co covered by an ass's hide. Is it? It's Dido, but it's an oxen or something. So that's a Dido. 
So you, you should have said, don't, don't. It was an ox and You did a me. You did a tiny little detail. No. That's not yeah. a lot of hand, is it? An ox is... Ah, no, but what happened, Ed? No, you tell us what happened, Well, Phil. what happened is that uh, Dido said, well, I'll take that. I'll take that bet. And she started to pull on the oxen's hide and pulled out a huge amount that kept going and kept going and kept like going. Threads. until She had an enormous country. Yeah. It was completely not what was arranged in the contract, so I don't so know why there was gods getting in there. This yeah. Is, yeah. Or is it? So it's magic. It's a magic ox's hide. No, it's yes. just not. It's ridiculous. I mean, it's obviously covered by the oxen's hide, and she. There's nothing to do with it. She just pulls out this long thread. It's not covered. That's 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 bordered. That's bordered. This is a different thing. Yeah. Anyway, there was do no. You there was no the difference between like air, circumference and area. Thank you. Yeah. But yeah. that time someone said it. This is why Pythagoras should have been born earlier. Yes. Yeah. That's right. Um, and he should have got, at, got into contract law too. Um, so that was, a, <laughs> that was a big, big loss for civilization. Okay. So number five. Now you didn't get that. So you didn't. You, do you lose a point for that, Phil? I need to work that out. Yeah. Uh, well, we've, okay. we've been mixing it up so far between losing a point and the other person gaining <laughs> a point. Um, but I suppose it's all the same when, once you. Uh, ultimately, yeah. ultimately. You, you've got one. You've got one, and Phil's got nothing. I think that's yeah, okay. what it comes that's down to. Then. Good scoring. Who knows? Okay. Scoring. We, we've we've reverted back to classic scoring. Okay. Right. <laughs> it works for a reason. Oh. Number five. Dido is tricked into marrying a local king, Iarbus, by her own ambassadors. Dido, mm-hmm. uh, because I've no idea. Yay! It sounds like she's Yeah, and it's bound to be by Sweet. now, isn't it? Nice. Yeah. yeah, there's a lot of trickery going on. Um, I'll fill you in on this one because, again, I think it's... I See what you think about this. So Iarbus, this king, he... Uh, sent for her ambassadors and he said to them if you don't give me dido's queen uh, sorry dido's hand in marriage there'll be war um so the ambassadors go back to dido and said that the king said that we have to move with it uh, in with him and civilize his people but we refused because you know we don't want to sacrifice our comfort for the good of carthage and dido replies you should sacrifice your comfort for the good of carthage and they go aha well actually what he said is he wanted to marry you so you have to marry him by your own logic oh, i mean it's 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 sneaky and confusing trickery. and confusing I mean, this is the the whole story. Oh, and mm. by the way, uh, Dido actually kills her. She she says, "Okay, I'll go and do it." She gets on top of this funeral pyre. She gets the sword out and she goes, "You said I have to go to my husband. Well, I am going to my heaven, ha- husband in heaven." And she kills herself and she gets back at them. So there yeah. we go. Yeah, she that's yeah. Ha ha ha! She had the last laugh. <laughs> Well, I don't know if that's technically having the last laugh there. <laughs> I mean, if, you want, if you want a good revenge on your husband story, Olga of Kiev. That's all I'm saying. Ooh. Awesome revenge story, that. Yeah. No, no, I, I'm just saying, is that, look, I'm sure, no, no, I, I would love to, I'm just saying, I'm sure by that time, the revenge was, you know, a much better sorted out I genre. I mean, she literally tricked her enemies, like, they killed her husband because he was going there to claim tax and they instead they i think they literally twanged him into a tree they they ripped two they put him between two trees and like ripped him apart which is pretty awesome Uh, and she was like 
oh no that's really sad and then they sent over people and um uh, to sort of say okay so now this has happened do you want to marry our king and then we can combine our countries and there'll be no more fighting and she said yes it's a brilliant idea and so they sent over this boat and then she burnt the boats with the people in it and then she was like oh no, guys guys no sorry i had to do that for my husband's honor obviously i had to do that for us come over we'll have a massive feast it'll be fine and so they came over, they had this massive feast, they got really drunk, said, would you like a bath? And they were like, oh, all the lords and ladies are here, we're having a brilliant time, you're going to come back with us and get married, brilliant. And so, yeah, we'll have a bath. And she put them in the bathhouse and she burnt that down with all their nobility. Oh, never uh, go for a bath. Exactly. And then, like, if a shower. eventually she goes over there to marry the king. So they make a big show of going over there to marry the king. And everyone has a massive party. Absolutely. They all get drunk again. She slaughters everybody. And then they're just like, seriously, we've got no men to like bring in the harvest in the field. You've killed everybody. Is there any way we can placate you? And she's just like, of course. Just send me, um, just look, as a gesture, just send me like a, a bird from your house that roosts in it. And, and just a couple of those. And then just alive or dead. Oh, give them to me alive. You don't have to kill them. It's fine. So they did that. And then they tied sulfur to them. And they set them alight. And they burnt the entire city. And uh, yeah, uh, she's Olga of Kiev. Yes. And um, after she did that and murdered everybody, uh, yeah, the Catholic Church made her her saint. <laughs> so, <laughs> uh, yeah, but she's that's that's better than killing yourself in a fire. Yeah. That is, no, I have to say that is, yeah, that's that is, and actually, strangely, uh, I have seen that on another on another History Channel style show called Vikings. I, th- I what, believe you saw they, they recreated that, as far as I wow. remember. Yeah, I'd call it Olga saying. the Top. Why? Because <laughs> 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 she went too far. Incredible. Yeah, she, uh, no, the... no, she didn't. She she did the right thing. It's, but she's basically John Wick, and, yes. and her husband was a dog. Yeah, That's all yeah. That it just yeah. it just yeah. escalated quickly. I think it's fair. Yeah, to say. and she just kept on going. That's fine. That's fine. And they believed her because they, were they kept keeping... going along. Yeah, they kept saying, "Guys, look yeah. at her case history. Come on." Bring the fire fine. out. That has to yeah. be it. Nobody would take it this far. No reasonable yeah, exactly. for, oh, we're dead. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Oh, next, time. Uh, next time. And you, you, get, you get a bonus point for that brilliant yeah. story. Didn't, yeah. didn't say you much. could get bonus points, but you do. So, so I believe the final scores that you're about to pull out of yeah, your... No, no, not quite. You've got the three <laughs> questions. So you can, you can draw level, Phil, if you work really oh, hard. Are you ready? <laughs> okay, quick yeah, fire. I'm ready. Yeah. Number six. According to the Roman poet Virgil, Dido is the real mother... <laughs> Of Romulus and Remus. I don't. Yay! Well yeah. done, Phil. He's clawed one back. Woo. No, but yeah. she did have a fling with Aeneas, who was sort of supposed to be the ancestor of Romulus and Remus. Well, it's why the Trojan Carthage. So, so it's why Rome and Carthage don't get along, because Rome's founded on Troy and then Carthage, and they split up, and it was awkward. That's it. That's Basically, exactly it's a breakup it. story, isn't it? It is entirely a breakup story. And that was question eight. So you oh get a point God. for the hey. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my God. She's so, she's two, you're two questions ahead. Oh you're my like, You're like the Olga of quizzes. <laughs> <laughs> okay. And finally, um, we'll do this final question seven, which is now question eight. And no one cares because they can't see what I'm reading. Uh, in Virgil's account, moving to Carthage in the first place is all her dead husband's idea. And it comes to uh, Dido in a dream. I say Dido because Virgil's really sexist and women can't have their own ideas. 
Absolutely Sorry. correct. Yes. Uh, yeah. Romans refuse to let women have any level of agency. They just strip it out after the fact, uh, which yeah. rather rather defeats the object of um, Dido in the first place, the traveller, the adventurer, all these things. Mm. There we go. Um, as you say, it's uh, the whole thing was all a big, it wasn't our fault. She started it, um, moved by the Romans. Um, so I think it's fair to say after... Eight questions, one of which is he was so good, she actually guessed, she got, gave me the right answer to a question two in advance, like some sort of two Ronnie's uh, mastermind sketch, Thrashville. So, congratulations, yes. Izzy. Dido or die, don't. Congratulations. Thank you very much. So, sorry, Phil. I feel, I feel no, slightly. No, no, I'm, I'm used to it. I'm yeah, he's, to here it. To, he's here to be yeah. the whipping boy in these I'm here things. To be, I'm here to be die, don'ted. That's for sure. Oh. No, well done, Phil. You got to say one after all. Um, <laughs> Countries that don't exist anymore. So finally, before we go, we'd like to say, um, obviously, thank you so much for coming on. And uh, is there anything, obviously, you've got so much going on I at the moment. Is there anything you'd like to shout out or let us know about, things we should look I at mean, for? Just really, if you go to isdi.com, you can find Terrible Lizards podcast, which is all about dinosaurs and history of dinosaurs. It's much more interesting than you think it is because it's all changed um, mm. since we were like went to the Natural History Museum when we were eight and got the nice rubbers. Yeah, uh, uh, yeah. rubbers, by the way, uh, being the British for eraser. Rather, yes. I don't know how many American listeners you have, but they always get confused. Well, they're actually, mo mostly American now. So mostly American, mm, yeah. not that sort of rubbers. Children in England are not given rubbers. They're given erasers, but they call rubbers just to make Americans laugh. Um, so, uh, yeah, Terrible Lizards, podcast about dinosaurs. Um, Z-List, Dead-List. Uh, the British Museum member cast, uh, which is, there's some pretty cool episodes um, if you're into your history on that. Um, and, yeah, Billy Swift Takes Flight um, is out with Bloomsbury. Um, it's released on September 2nd. And The Unstoppable Letty Peg, which is about um, 1910, suffragettes i mean if you want your, your girls to grow up wanting to fight people and mm. think that winston churchill is a bad man yes that's a yes to get. yes yes so, sold you just had to say that last bit i was just exactly uh, i like this i like suffragettes the story's not told enough but oh man yeah having a go yeah. having a pop at winston churchill in this have country have i'm in let mm -hmm. letty peg hates him <laughs> we're on the right side he was Home yeah. Secretary at the time. She had reason to. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, if you if, if just, you know, um, check out izzy.com, isedi.com, and you'll mm -hmm. find links to everything. Great. Well, and thank you so much for coming on and uh, spending your time talking about pretty much everything and all really everything. fascinating. Yeah. And just That's to cool. say that uh, izzy.co.uk is still available. Yeah. Well, thank you to our guest there, Izzy Lawrence. Um, do go out and check out izzy.com for more info. I-S-Z-I, I believe. And just a quick shout out to our lovely patrons. Uh, we've got Empire Builder Jim O'Mara, no relation. And of course, our God King. Michael Matthews, who's sticking around with us. If you want to join them, please do go and support the show. Patreon dot com forward slash c t d e a pod and help support the show there for chucking you in your coffers you'll get early access to episodes you get bonus music you get a lovely membership certificate no matter what level you join in at whether it's a villager founding father empire builder or god king and speaking of which if you make it all the way to the god king then you get yourself a personal cameo in one of our sketches i think we're the only podcast in the history of the world that's ever done that 
and join us next time when we head to 19th century northern Borneo to a country built by a man who didn't always approve of empire but by the force of his strange ego became a Christian king in a Muslim state it's the Raj of Sarawak so join us next time on Countries that don't exist anymore They used to exist but not anymore Now you know what this podcast is for It's countries that don't exist (laughs) 